Welcome to Sheer Jeshub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the series on Heavenly Authority. In our study series last time on Heavenly Authority, we saw Samuel established as a prophet of the Lord. God reveals himself in Shiloh to Samuel. It says, by the word of the Lord. And we see one of the first ministries that Samuel has is as a prophet. And the word of the Lord comes back into Israel. There had been a drought of the word of God. But the people again hear the word of the Lord. And God uses this time period to raise up Samuel so that there would be someone to lead the people after the tragedy which we'll see today. In chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, in verse 1, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So the people heard the word that God gave to Samuel. And then it says, Now Israel went out to battle. Some manuscripts add, and it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight against Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Remember the Philistines are an aggressive sea people uh, from the Mediterranean who early on settled along part of Israel's southern coastal plain. And you'll see that up on the map that I placed on the overhead. Uh, they're in the southern area on the coast, and they press towards central Israel, having superior weapons, putting increased pressure upon the Israelites to keep moving away from them as they would come in. Remember, we studied how the Danites, those of the tribe of Dan, not able to come against the Philistines, most of them fled and went north in Israel and established a new area of Dan. And we saw how in the time of Samson, the judge, how God used Samson to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. They are the strongest enemy of Israel at this time period. We're around 1050 B.C. And they're there, and they're encamped at Aphek. And Aphek is an important city in the chain of cities on the plain of Sharon. You can see the plain of Sharon there, uh, north of the Philistine area. It runs from the Carmel Mountains all the way down to Joppa. Um, and Aphek, you can see it is northeast of Joppa, is one of the key cities in that chain. So it was on the northernmost part, north of the Philistine territory, and across on the other side of Ephraim from Shiloh. You see Shiloh over there on the right, going towards the Jordan River. It's a strategic border city, and the Philistines are gathering there. They've come up, and they're gathering, obviously, to come across and attack the Israelites. And the Israelites go out to meet them, and they're in Ebenezer. And the precise location of Ebenezer is not clear, but it's somewhere near Aphek. Verse 2. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array. Remember, they have superior weapons than the Israelites. 
against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated or struck by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. So at this battle at Ebenezer, 4,000 Israelites die at the hands of the Philistines. Verse 3, And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord Yahweh defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. They want to resort to the ark to give them victory. They've seen 4,000 of their men die in this one quick battle. And they're thinking back over the centuries to the day when the ark of the covenant would travel with them and they would have victory. It would travel with Moses and on their way to the promised land. How when they cross over with Joshua across the Jordan River into the promised land, how the priests would carry the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments and the jar of manna and the rod of Aaron's staff inside, and they would carry it across the Jordan River, and the Jordan River split for the Israelites that when they crossed, it was on dry land. And how when they went into their first big battle in Jericho, how seven priests went before the Ark of the Covenant, blowing the trumpets, and they took that Ark, and the people marched around Jericho. And on the seventh day, in the seventh time, they went around, they shouted, they blew the trumpets, and the walls of Jericho came down. There was power associated with the presence of the Ark. And they're looking for that power again. They've had this great defeat by the Philistines. But it's an almost superstitious belief in the instrument and symbol of God's power. That ark was an instrument of God. It was made by the hands of men according to the instructions that God gave to Moses. God chose it as his dwelling place, as his mercy seat, the place where he would come down, his presence would be there, his glory would be there, in front of the Israelites. So it had supernatural significance. But they are here asking for the ark to come out with almost a superstitious belief in the ark itself, but not a real belief in the power of God himself. Why, the question is asked, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? What's the answer to that question? We've studied it week after week. Because the people sinned. There was apostasy in Israel. They went away from the one true God. They worshipped other gods. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. He would send judges. They would repent for a time and then turn back. And we've seen how even in Shiloh, even in the sacred place, even at the place with the tabernacle and the priests, were ministering, how Eli had his two sons there, and the two sons did wickedly before the Lord. They treated the sacrifices of the Lord with contempt. They used the women that came to the temple to worship. 
There is sin that is unrepented of. And that's why Israel has lost. And it cannot be just satisfied with the Ark of the Covenant being brought in. Because was not the Ark of the Covenant among them when they were in the wilderness? And yet they sinned against God, they grumbled against Moses, and for 40 years they were in that desert. The Ark was there. God will not bless sin. They have this superstitious belief in this instrument, but not a real belief in God, otherwise what? The question would be answered, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? And they would repent. Repentance would be first and foremost. And you think about Christianity, how many people hang on the edge of Christianity. They know there's something there. They know there's some type of power. They know there's some type of victory. Some have seen healings. They understand there are some answers that can help them from the Bible. They understand there's some anointing, some supernatural anointing on certain Christians that can give them directions. And maybe they want that direction. I've seen people speak to Christians about their finances. You know, what do you think is going to happen in the stock market? Maybe hoping that the Christians might have some word from God. People want to be around Christians so they see healings. They say, well, I can get some of that healing too. I want to be whole. And there are directions, things for health that they may want, but it's almost superstitious about the perks of Christianity, knowing there's some benefits, but they don't really want the God behind it all. They don't want him. They just want his power. Really, many people in the world are like that. They would say to you, well, why can't God just do this for me? Why do I have to come to him the way he asked me to come to him? Why must I accept Messiah? Why must I believe in Jesus? Why can't I just do what I want to do and God give me the blessings I desire? Some will see the blessings that come out of Christianity and they want those things, but it's almost superstitious. The attitude these people have towards the Ark of the Covenant at the time of Samuel. Bring it out here that we may be saved from the hand of our enemy. You have to want the God behind the symbol, behind the power, behind the victory. The Ark taught the people it was a point of the glory of God coming down. And it was a place of God's dwelling. And we're going to see, hopefully in our next study, how there is power associated with this symbol. When you see what it does to the Philistines when they take it into captivity. They can't wait to give it back because there is supernatural power associated with it. But it's still just an object. God is the one that we have to worship and he cannot be mocked and what did he say he told them early on he said those who honor me I will honor that was the message from the man of God to Eli those who honor me the Lord says when we honor God then he will give honor to us not when we play with superstitions I'm, I'm amazed at people who will bless themselves, they'll cross themselves, or they'll cling to their crosses, and we love crosses, we love blessings. But to them, the cross almost becomes some type of talisman. It becomes some type of charm. And even the Bible can be placed 
prominently in their home as some type of protection. Yes, we have a Bible. We put it right there on the mantle, and it's as though a protection or a blessing on our house. And yet, if you speak to the same people about Jesus Christ, if you tell them the gospel of salvation, they'll think you're crazy. Why do you go so deeply into it? We want no part of being born again and all that stuff. And yet they'll bless themselves and they'll rub that cross or their beads or their Bible. They're superstitious towards the things of God. But God is not some force of nature to be harnessed and played with. His word is not some rune that you repeat over and over again like a magic spell and it works. He is that he is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He's not an object to be played with. And religion is not just something you do as a superstition. He is that he is. He's a person and he's holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you cannot play a game with God. You cannot mock God. And bringing that ark out there to say, wow, now we got power, like rubbing a genie's bottle, doesn't work with the Lord God, who created the heavens and earth, who doesn't need a box overlaid with gold to do his will. This is a good point at which to leave the sermon. If you would like to write to us, you can reach us at Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. For Sunday service, we meet in Madison, Connecticut at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane at 10 a.m. Please join us next time for Shear Jashub.